turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth, trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be all right. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to his throne. Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 439. Don't quote the chosen to me, says Rob Van Hoff. My name is Caleb Hegg. <laughs> Don't quote the chosen to me. I'm Rob Van Hoff. There you go. There you go. Hey man, it's been a it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's uh I think this is uh what two, two weeks without without you. The audience is uh is yearning for some Van Hoff in their life, man. Yeah, I, I'm missing you, man. So this is good to see you. Here I am. Here I am. Tanned and all. Look at me. I'm all sunburned. You probably can't see nice. it on the on the camera, but I am actually quite sunburned, as is my entire family. We had a good vacation. And, uh, you know, we're ready to be uh, back and doing it. All right. We got a very fun show today for everyone. I'd like to welcome everyone in the chat room. I like fun. I like fun, too. Like to welcome everyone in the chat room as people are uh, trickling in. Now, I 
I uh, named this episode, uh, we already discussed this, which for our hardcore listeners know that this is a clip from our soundboard, which ultimately is a clip from one of the early season one Seinfelds. I can't believe we already discussed this! Uh, and that's pretty much the, uh, the gist of it today. Now, we, this will bring some interesting interaction, I think, but uh, everything that we're going to talk about today are basically responses to things that we have already discussed, which is uh, totally fine. In fact, I think that as we continue on, here we are, season 10, right? We've been going for 10 years. And as we go on, I realize that essentially... The main topic people want to hear about is why the Torah is relevant today. Now, I need to correct myself for uh, for something that I said last week. Last, or not last week, the week before, because I was on vacation last week. Two weeks ago, I said Solberg, and for those of you who didn't see this show, but R.L. Solberg had made a video claiming that nowhere in the New Testament is there any reference to uh, believers keeping the Sabbath, that we need to continue to keep the Sabbath. Now, I hope that I did a good job uh, apologizing against such nonsense, but in in the uh, hey, episode- I, I just pause there. Asterisk yes. next to your use of the word apologizing. Thank I you. love it. I do. I People do are I like, oh, Caleb was sorry. Caleb Caleb was in error, and he was like ceding the point. No, no, he's actually using the Greek apologizing. Apologia. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. right. So. I said Solberg, and I think I'm, I'm going to loosely quote myself here. Now, this is probably not exact word for word, but you'll get the gist of it. I said Solberg is not going out and asking, you know, well-educated scholars such as Tim Hag or Rob Vanhoff or others to debate him on the sa- Sabbath. Now, this is actually incorrect. Um, my friend, David Wilbur, who is getting a uh, seminary education, debated Solberg on the Sabbath and absolutely obliterated him. Uh, I, I don't see how anyone could watch that debate and give it to Solberg. Solberg had to admit in that debate that the, uh, well, I, I'm not even going to go into it. You can go watch it. But the, the point simply is this. Solberg did debate somebody on the Sabbath. It was David Wilbur. And uh, the fact that he's still being dishonest about the notion that the uh, apostolic scriptures don't reference in any way, shape, or form the Sabbath is simply not true. And not only that, but he's been taking a task on it publicly, and he's lost publicly uh, in a debate to this. So uh, ultimately at this point, I think that Solberg is, uh, now I don't want to, I don't want to judge motive, but it seems on the face of it that Solberg is simply being dishonest just to try to sway his audience, just to maintain his audience because he has been shown and he has been taken to task publicly on this issue. to say, say, pardon me, like to save face, like, or just to I don't like, know. I don't know. I don't. I mean, or people are like, "Look, I'm not going to listen to your teaching anymore because you have dem you've demonstrated yourself to not be a man of integrity." Or I don't know, but he's not being a man of integrity by being taken to the carpet by Wilbur uh, on in this debate, and then so he, continuing he, to make short clips. The same way, or anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I hear maybe he does, saying. maybe he doesn't, but he still had to. It. I mean, yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that he he got raked over the coals by uh, by Wilbur in that debate. Anyway, um, and I think that my I think that that I brought forth numerous 
biblical passages that would imply that believers should be keeping not just the Sabbath, but the Torah as a whole. And I think that those passages cannot just be brushed under the rug. And uh, Jay Whip in the uh, in the chat room uh, says Matthew five seventeen through nineteen should cover it. This is the first passage that I cover in uh, the video that we did two week- that I did two weeks ago. Okay, we're gonna move on. I've already put our uh, producers up on the screen. We are grateful to our producers and to all of the people who support this show. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today. Uh, you'll see what it is in a few minutes. But first, we're going to go to Kevin. Kevin Brown uh, wrote a comment uh, to our Colossians 2, what is it, 16 and 17 video. And basically, I, uh, I, I clipped a, a very short passage, five minutes of one of our longer shows, and uh, made it as a shorter video for people who want didn't want to watch an hour-long video. Uh, and it was on Colossians 2.16. This is what Kevin Brown comments. He comments on it and he says this, the problem with this misinterpretation is that when the apostle says in verse 17, think, let, should we read this real quick? Let's read it sure. first. Hang on. I apologize. Let's go to Colossians. Well, read his, his translate, but... Okay. He says, I'm sorry, we'll read his, we'll read his first. The problem with this misinterpretation is that when the apostle says in verse 17, things which are mere shadow, a mere shadow of what is to come, the quote things isn't referring to man-made traditions, people annexed to the to biblical laws, but rather the things which are mere shadows is referring to what precedes it, namely festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Typically, those defend the abiding relevance of the Sabbath commandment would argue that what is being spoken of in the text are ceremonial Sabbaths because of its on, uh, grouping with festivals and new moons rather than the seventh day Sabbath. While I also disagree with that, at least it attempts to treat the text properly, which is not what the guys in this video have done. Okay, um, first of all, Thank you for the comment, Kevin. However, it seems quite apparent that you are not dealing with the text properly yourself. And the reason why is because there is a significant amount of nuance within this text. For instance, you have not dealt with the fact that the term dogma in the Greek always refers to man-made tradition. There is nowhere where it refers to biblical law or God's law. So the fact that the term dogma is found in Colossians 2.16, in the very verse that you're commenting on. Uh, no, wait, wait, have... wait, wait, wait. There's no, dogma's not in that verse. Hang on, let's look. What verse is it in? Is it pr- 2.16 that... and 17. Dogma's later on. Okay. Hang on, go ahead. Do you want to keep going here, or you want me to? The, my point on this is he, his trans, I don't know what translation he's using, but that word merely right. is a mere shadow. Mere is not in there. That's interpretive. It's just literally, it's these things are a shadow of what is coming. And so when he puts merely twice, right, it means he's, he thinks that that's in the original Greek, meaning he thinks that Paul is downplaying the significance of Shabbat. I, Caleb, I think what you're, what's coming to mind for you is towards the end of the chapter where he had indeed does use the the verb dogmizo to dogmatize and it clearly associates it with traditions of man and the philosophies of man. So, um, that, and that's another important aspect of Colossians too, what you're getting at. But I think, right. I don't know that the word dogma is part of what his 
at least not, that's not what I'm tracking. I'm what I'm hearing in hit in is it Kevin in Kevin's email is that merely a shadow is Paul's own dismissal of these things. And he thinks we're misreading Paul. He's like, you guys don't even see that Paul says these are just mere shadows um, as like a downplay. And I think that, so he's dependent, clearly not reading a Greek text. He's reading a English translation that is stemming from scholars who believe that the law is done away. And so they add words right. like merely. This is, this is the main point, is that what it seems Kevin is doing is reading his modern-day Christian theology back into, first, into the first century text. Listen to what uh, Paul says in 2.8. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies and empty deceit according to human tradition. According to human tradition, according to the element, uh, elemental spirits of the yes, world, and not according exactly. to Christ. So the, the point is, is that he's reading one verse and wanting to take it out of context for all of Colossians 2. If you now, I've written on Colossians two extensively. If you read Colossians two as a whole, in and in the entire book, it seems that there is a group. Now, the group is debate is people debate on on what what the group is. Is it a group? And he of, could be uh, speaking more generally that covers general truths that covered more than one sect. Absolutely, possibly too. So, so I mean, there's debate on whether or not this is a Jewish sect. There is a debate on whether or not it's a Christian Gnostic sect, whether or not it's uh, a pagan sect. There's all different debates from many different scholars on what this group of people that he's talking about are doing. When he says the worship of angels, there's a debate on this too. Are people actually worshiping the angels, or are, or as many scholars have suggested, the 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 group that Paul Paul is talking about believes that they're having visions and believes that they're having getting into trances and going and seeing how the the angels worship in the heavenly realm specifically on sabbaths exactly so for and, them and this is this goes to the book of jubilees and also what we know from qumran and even i think found at masada the the songs of sabbath sacrifice was a hebrew liturgy that they would recite on the sabbath right. and they exactly like Caleb said they believed that they were being uh that they were with the angels somehow and, and that's the book of Jubilee. The book of Jubilees is that the angels keep the Sabbath in heaven. And so when Israel keeps the Sabbath below, they kind of are in tune with the angels. And um, what Paul's point here is, is that that's the substance of these things is Messiah. If you're, if, if any, any Jew, basically the way I read this, Paul is saying any, it doesn't matter if they're Pharisee or Sadducee or Essene, they're telling you to keep the Sabbath. They're observing the new moon. That's not it. They're they're not telling you just to keep the Torah. They're telling you how you need to understand what the significance of the Sabbath is, what the significance of the new moon. And the significance, the spin they put on it is not focused on Messiah. And Paul's always saying, look, I've been there, done that. Any, any act, any, any Torah keeping that is not Yeshua centric that is not stemmed from understanding what it means to be new creations in Messiah, to that he is the Lord and Savior, that et cetera, et cetera, is going to be, by definition, there's nothing left over except to be informed by traditions of men and philo- vain philosophies and worship of angels, because it's going to be man-made invention. True Torah is found in Yeshua alone. Right. And that's why it says the substance of these things, they are a shadow of things to come, and the substance is of Messiah. 
So if oh, that it's I, I completely agree with you. But what we have to say here about Kevin's misinterpretation, and he he is accusing us of having misinterpretation. Sure. But my point here is that Kevin has taken verse 16, he wants it to stand alone without any context added. If we look at verse 8, he specifically says that uh, according to human tradition, he re-emphasizes this down in 14. 14 is where Dogmason is comes in. He right. says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its Dogmason, with its human tradition, which is which is translated by the ESV as legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That makes it sound that Yeshua, or, or okay, that makes it sound like when God gives a Torah, he gives obligations. There's covenant obligations. Right. Anymore, just like, you know, a husband and wife get married, the husband has obligate. He can't go sleep around, right? That's a deal breaker. There's every relation, every covenantal relationship has what we call obligations. And some people in the church, I think they take that to mean coercion, um, uh, you know what I mean? Like almost bully, like God is a bully, like God forces you. God doesn't care how you feel like they interpret obligation that way. But in fact, righteousness has duty and obligation associated with it. And, and we should not be ashamed of that. We shouldn't shy away from that fact. That's what, that's why well, God is faithful because he I, is. And so, but they want to make it sound like all those obligations are now done away. And now we have no covenant obligation, I guess. I don't know. Well, so check, let's let's read the three verses in succession so that uh, people, uh, so that uh, Kevin can hear the the way that I am understanding this. He says by canceling the, the starting in two fourteen by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its dogmason. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. Who's he talking about? The rulers and authorities, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, you cannot disassociate 16 from the previous verses because he connect Paul connects them with this word. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink with regard to the festival of New Moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. I now, first of all, let's give let's give this to, to I'll give this to, to Kevin. Certainly. The things that we do here in the physical realm are shadows of what happens in the, the spiritual realm. We're told a lot about this uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, right? The entire sacrificial system is a shadow of something to come. Well, Does the Torah, that mean I mean, Hebrews just points to the Torah and says, remember what God says in Moses, be sure to make everything according to the pattern I showed you on the mount. Exactly. That means, it, so it's a Torah principle, right? It's the Torah principle. Is it the, the Mishkan? And the revelation of how to build the tabernacle and all the implements and what it means for the high priest to enter the holies and then the holy of holies once a year. All these things are pointing to something. But just because they point to something, in other words, Moses knew they pointed to something. But that didn't exempt Moses and Aaron from building the Mishkan and Israel's obligation to to obey. It's it's not like now all of a sudden it's a shadow, but back then it was the real thing. Why did the glory of God fill the tabernacle at the end of Exodus? It says the glory of God filled the tabernacle so full they couldn't even go in. I what, I feel like... Doesn't I feel God like, know it's a shadow? Why is he filling it with his glory like that? Right, 
right? I feel like people are, and maybe this is true of all of us. Maybe this is true of me too. But the, but I feel like people are so set in their tradition, in their theological tradition, that they have to interpret all of it through that lens. They're, people aren't willing to step back and say, okay, what if? Or see things from another view. The point, and I point here to verse 18, because just down, he says, these are shadows of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one, so is he still talking about the same thing? Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed right. up without reason by his his sensuous mind. It, what does Back that to have 16, to do? They're judging you for not doing it the way they think you should be doing it. Exactly. It's the same thing as... Matthew 15 or Mark 7, you guys didn't wash your hands right. Yes. Therefore, you, you're suspect. We can't let you fellowship with us. You can't participate in our meal. You didn't wash your hands right. Or it's like, hey, all those guys are fasting today. You guys aren't fasting. What's up? And he, and he specifically says this in verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirit of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? He's not talking about the Bible. He's I know. They, oh, golly. <laughs> Come on. Preach it. Preach it, man. All right. So we're going to move on from this. So thank you to Kevin for that. It. Uh, I hope that this helps somebody. But we're not done yet. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to switch over to a different view. Now, normally, this was sent in for Mystery Bible Theater 3000. If you don't watch Mystery Bible Theater 3000 on Fridays, it comes out on Fridays at 9.30 a.m. Pacific Time. You can watch it anytime, though. It's where Rob and I get to have a little bit of fun, and uh, there will not be one this coming Friday, unfortunately. However, we're going to give you a little taste of it right now. Now, the reason, yeah, the, the reason that we're not doing this on Friday is because this actually does not fall under wackadoo enough. And if you watch our Friday uh, episodes, you'll know what we mean by wackadoo enough. On the it's wackadoo, actually, it's an actual meter, a wackadoo enough meter. It's the, the wackadoo, wackadoo enough threshold. Yeah, that's right. And uh, this, I, I think this would just fall under standard Christian theology. I don't think that this falls under wackadoo. I, I mean, I think it is wackadoo, but it's, uh, it's standard Christian theology. And so um, we're going to bump over to our Mystery Bible Theater 3000 screen, our viewing screen here. Let me get over to my... Uh, Very nice. Okay, here we go. You ready? Here you go. Where does the Sabbath go into Sunday? And they question a lot. Okay, well, okay, good question there. First of all, the Sabbath doesn't go into Sunday. The Sabbath has already been fulfilled. Jesus is our rest. You see, out of the Ten Commandments, nine of them are repeated in the New Testament. The only one that isn't is keep holy the Sabbath. Why? Because the Sabbath represented rest and Jesus is our rest. In fact, Paul even says in Colossians chapter 2, don't let anyone tell you you have to obey any Sabbath or festival day. Why? Because the, our rest has arrived. We rest in the work of Jesus. And so the reason we meet on Sunday is because we're not transitioning or we're not transferring the Sabbath to Sunday. We're simply saying he rose on Sunday. So that's the day we're going to meet. Has nothing to do with the Sabbath. There is significant problems with this. Number one, it does have to do with the Sabbath. If you well, and, and a denial of of the Catholics, uh, the history of the Roman Catholic Church saying that they may, uh, right? Yeah, it's so so historically. This guy, he, he started getting a little preachy though in there. Jesus right. is the rest. He is our rest. They, I, like, mean, you know they, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that he's historically he's wrong. 
The fact that the Christians meet on Sunday it does have to do with the Sabbath. It, it does. Um, so this is this is simply incorrect. But of course, he he hits Colossians two once again. This is once again a misinterpretation. Um, and he, he, just like Kevin wants to throw away all context to, uh, to the verse that he's, he's referencing in Colossians two, but beyond that, now I, I hit on this two weeks ago, but we're going to do it again. Um, he, he wants to say that the term fulfilled means that we don't have to do it again. Okay. This is a huge misstep by Christian theology. It's fulfilled. Therefore I don't have to do it again. Romans 3.18, or 13.8, uh, sorry, 13.8, owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So have we fulfilled the whole law? If we fulfilled the whole law, then we no longer have to do it, right? So the rest of the nine commandments are fulfilled in our love, and therefore we don't have to do them. So he's wrong about that. If he's saying that fulfilled means we don't have to do it again. You know, two verses later in, in verse uh, 10, he says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Well, if we fulfill the law, then of course, we don't have to keep it anymore, right? For the whole law, just in case you thought maybe he just means the c- ceremonial aspects of the law, Galatians 5.14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Except the Sabbath, because that's Except already been fulfilled. The, no, no, we, so. we fulfilled it all. We don't have to do any anything else. If I love okay. my neighbor, I can... Where... Where did the principle that if Jesus didn't say it, or if it, where's the where did the principle emerge that it is our interpretive principle that says if if a law is not repeated, then it's then it's fulfilled. Where did, I've heard that so many times, but I never like asked like where's the like where did that arrive on the scene as like a print? Then people go, hey, I guess I I guess that is the, a true biblical, that's sound biblical interpretation principle. If it's not repeated, uh, it, it must, it, it must be done away. Um, I, it's ridiculous. The, in, word, in fact, the word Sabbath, I don't, I mean, <clears throat> all you have to do is look how many times I'll, I'll tell you, cause I've got a Greek right here. If you go, uh, the word Sabbath appears, any guesses how many times I'm sorry. Guess uh, is on 68 what? times the word Sabbath occurs in the New Testament. So, yeah, Jeff that's, makes lot, a, that's that's probably more than any other commandment. I don't know that there's any of the of the other 10 commandments that are referred to 68 times. So, I don't know. That's so just Jeff, Jeff makes a great point, and it's one that I was going to make. Uh, I'm going to go even farther than Jeff, though. Jeff says bestiality is not uh, included, is re- not restated in the New Testament. Neither is cross-dressing. And so as we come into... Um, that, that's, a, that's a valid point. I think that that's leveraged. That's leveraged by Church of Christ, Christ, Christ denominations or whatever that are advancing strange gender fluidities and, and, uh, strange and this is, sexualities this is actually, and ordinations. This is actually how we have, uh, homose- I know this sounds like a, a big stretch here, but let me explain. Uh, this is how we have churches accepting homosexuality and homosexual leaders within the church. And let me explain this. What they'll say is, okay, well, the old Testament, that law is done away with. And people say, yeah, but in Romans, Paul talks about, you know, 
them giving up their, you know, the natural function and, and following after. They'll say, no, 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 that has to do with Roman culture. The, the, the men were, were uh, you know, ha- having sexual relationships with boys. So this is actually talking about uh, pedophiles. It has nothing to do with homosexuality. So you, what they're saying is you have to understand the, the historical context. And the historical context um, just, you know, that tells us that we don't, we don't actually have to, to you know, it, homosexuality is fine as long as you're in a loving relationship, just like any relationship. And so the, uh, <laughs> the point here is simply that you use this hermeneutic as soon as we get rid of God's law and say that things that are not repeated don't matter. All of a sudden, you have big problems. Jeff goes on, he says, dog lovers and drag queens are going to be relieved. Jesus forgot to mention all that stuff. Exactly. Um, it's, this, is, this is really a, a, a very weak argument, and I'm not sure where it comes from, but it, it doesn't hold up. I want to go one more time to James 2.23. I'm back to the scriptures. I want to go to James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So if it was fulfilled, then it's no longer by faith that we're saved. It's by works, right? Because that was fulfilled. Since, since fulfilled means it's done away with and we don't have to do it anymore, according to these Christian theologians or whatever we're going to call them, these Christian pre- preachers, if fulfilled means it's done away with, then being counted righteous because of faith and not because of works is done away with. It, it was fulfilled. James tells us in 2.23, it was fulfilled. So that's done well, away When you look with. It back to Hebrews, you look at Hebrews 11, where it says um, about Moses kept the Passover, he, he, that Moses identified, he, he treasured being identified, I'm paraphrasing, treasured being identified with Christ and forsaking the riches of Egypt, even though it, it cost him greatly, cost him everything. Are we going to say Moses was not resting in Christ? Oh, he was. Do we have greater rest in Christ than Moses did, who forsook all the things of Egypt to to be God's prophet and lead? No, we're not going to say we have greater rest than Moses did. Do we have greater Moses than Abraham when Yeshua himself said he saw my day and was glad? Did Abraham not rest in Christ? Like He's saying that we somehow, after the Sabbath is done away and fulfilled in Jesus, we have a rest now that nobody else had in the Old Testament, right? Isn't that kind of what he's saying? That all the prophets, all the men and women of faith listed in Hebrews 11 and beyond, they they didn't have rest. I mean, they probably believe, they probably believe, yeah, they were under a, a, a governance of works or whatever and yeah, I mean, you know what the so I'm 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 kind of thinking of other things while you're talking, but I I agree with what you're saying. But the Colossians 2:16 passage, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Acts 10 passage. Nobody wants to read the context. If you read the context of Acts 10, it tells you exactly what he's talking about, what the vision is about. Therefore, don't, you know, don't reject people. That's don't what prejudge he's people. Yeah, don't prejudge that's, people. That's, that's, that's the whole, it's the whole, it says the whole that. thing. It's the same lesson over and over again. It's like you have these sectarians that are like, it's like the Mon, Monty Python uh, skit. And, and they're like, we are the people's Judeans front. And who are those people over there? There's like three people on the other one. We are the people's front of Judea. And they're like, why are, why are they there? I mean, like, well, we, you know, have this. And, and it's all about yeah, building up the it. wrong kind of, Boundaries. But, but what we have going on is 
standard established, quote unquote, established Christian doctrine. We can't, we, we can't take these passages for what they are. We have to use them as our, as our leverage. If we don't have these passages, then what do we have? Right? I mean, so if you take out Acts 10 and Colossians 2 and, you know, Mark 7, and you read them for what the context actually is talking about, then all of a sudden the Christian theology that the Torah has done away with starts falling apart pretty darn quick. So instead of dealing with these passages and saying, hey, you know what, maybe maybe the, the standard, quote unquote, standard Christian theology that's been going on for so long is not right. You know what, that happened in the 1500s. The whole Re- Reformation was based on people saying, hey, you know what, maybe the standard Christian doctrine that has been established for the past, past thousand years isn't quite right. Oh, and praise God for the Reformers. <laughs> oh, right. Oh my goodness. I mean, could you imagine living in a world where the what seems so evident and crystal clear, like a bright shining star, justification by faith, what was obscured from the world? Well, of course, it still is obscured. I mean, uh, um, you know, but we have people who gave the men and women gave their lives to preach it. And of course, that there were new horizons of of disputes and things that opened up subsequent to that, because justification justification by faith is not the only truth that ne- that the body needs to absorb and and like come to terms with there's other things too that, that we need to learn and that's the history of the church but uh yeah okay let's move on it's been also, fun. you know back to just a just a flash my high connectivity back to the first email from kevin what do you do with something where where yeshua says in i think it's in mark the 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 sabbath was made for man like is that that's true. Is that always Not true anymore. or is that just true for a while? And if it's always true, and then he says, and the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath, that makes the same point. This, the point of the Torah, Roman Romans 10, it points to Yeshua. That's if you re, if we try to read the Torah, this is why you can't just say, okay, you know what I want to do? I don't know. I, I believe the Torah is from God, but I'm not sure about Jesus and the apostles, especially Paul. He's kind of weird. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the Torah for myself, and then I'm going to judge the Gospels and Paul's epistles, from because then I'll be fully informed, right? I'm going to study the Torah on its own terms. I'll even look at rabbis, because the rabbis read it in Hebrew, and they even know it better. And then I'm going to just really understand God's revelation. And then I'm going to, from that perspective, once I climb that mountain, I'm going to look at the Gospel claims from a from a Torah-based perspective. I'm going to look at Paul's writings from a Torah-based perspective, and I'll be able to judge whether they're true or not. That is, that's, that kind of attitude is contrary to how God's word is sown, takes root, grows, and bears fruit in the world. And that's why Paul, and I think it's in 1 Corinthians, he says, no one can say Yeshua is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Right. It doesn't say that you need to learn Hebrew and study the Torah with the rabbis and then and then decide. It doesn't say learn Greek and read the Gospels and then decide. The Bible doesn't say that. It says you can't, you can't, it doesn't even matter if you spend your whole life reading the Bible. You can't confess Yeshua as Lord. I mean, you could say the words, but that right. doesn't, it's not the words that make it happen. It's 
regeneration by the Holy Spirit. That's that's what has to happen. So when someone says no to the gospel, that's because the Holy Spirit hasn't worked in their heart to con- to see Yeshua. That's why you can't argue someone into the kingdom, even though there's branches of, of Christianity that take that approach. Like you need to argue people. You have to do every effort to argue somebody in because they might not make it if you don't. And then, and then you're going to spend eternity and you're going to see them in hell and you're going to be sad in eternity because you're going to feel bad on yourself because you didn't take that extra effort to wrestle that guy into the kingdom. And friends, this is, that's, None of that's based on scripture. Sorry, Caleb, I had a little do, mini do, off, do, off right be, there. Right before we came on, I said, I really need to, I remember to grab that that clip from Goodwill Hunting where he's like, my boy is wicked smart. Wicked right? smart. <laughs> that, it would be perfect right here. Okay, we're going to move. We're going to move on. So uh, before we do, uh, com. That's our email address. Send in your comments, questions, whatever. 253-465-3205. That is our comment line. You won't talk to us. You just talk to an answering machine so you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree, agree, whatever you want. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. It really does help us. I know it sounds weird. Okay. Let's move on. And let's move on to Transformation 247. Rodin. Is this the one that you wanted to do? The Transformation 247? I think it, yeah. I think I kind of get keep going with it. Okay. It is my understanding. Oh, yeah. It is. It is the one. <laughs> it is my understanding. By the Okay, yeah, there's so much going on in this whole comment. I, I just got to read the whole thing and then we'll go back. It is my understanding that the covenant is not new. It is renewed, just as the moon is not new every, every month. It is renewed. Can we stop right here? Can we stop? <laughs> okay, so first of all, it is new. And why is it new? Because there has never been a time in history where all Israel will be saved, right? Paul says this, and then all Israel will be saved. Now, that doesn't mean that there that we aren't part of the new covenant. It's like my somebody said that they have a drinking game that every time I say my father, they they take a they take a drink of wine. That's funny. Anyway, so my father describes this as as uh, the uh, the new covenant is a cup. It will be full once all Israel will be saved, right? And and Paul talks about this. However, there is a, a filling up. The cup has to be you have to fill the cup up before it's full. And so we are part of that. We are part of that filling up of the cup. So it will be completely fulfilled when all Israel will be saved. So it, it is new. That has never happened. And this is a this is a teaching that a lot of people want to uh, jump on board with because, the, uh, at least the reason I think that they want to jump on board with this is because they want to say, oh, no, 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 the Torah, it, the Torah is not, there's nothing new about the new new covenant. It's just the renewed covenant of the Torah. Well, no, there is something new about the new covenant. That's why it's called the new covenant. It's not called the renewed re- renewed covenant. It's called the new right. covenant, and it's called the new covenant. And, and, and renewed cannot be paired with old. The word old, like in throughout Scripture, when you have new, you often have old. You have the old, the old crop, and the new crop. Like like during the the Shemitah year. Right. And it says you store up and and you, you know, and then the new comes in, you're going to have old grain and new grain. So you you wouldn't say renewed grain. The idea right. is they want they what they're concerned about is that when you use the word new, that it makes people think that there's zero continuity. 
Right. Like it's like it's ex nihilo, like it's, you know, not related to anything that came before. And, and that's not the case. Um, well, Paul tells us that's not the case in Galatians when he says, does a covenant that comes 400 years later make void the exactly. first covenant? Right, right. The, the law at Sinai does not invalidate. Paul says you can't, if you're, if, if someone starts with Sinai and starts talking about these commandments and they do not present the Abrahamic covenant, then, then they're acting as if the Abrahamic covenant has been nullified. And it's not. It, 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 it's absolutely dependent on, the, the, the Sinai is dependent upon the covenant with Abraham. Right. So, so one way to think of it is, is in the Torah, they use the same word chadashah, because it's brit chadashah, like a grain offering, a mincha chadashah, when, when there's a new crop. And so one way to understand this is, is new, is that it's a new, a new crop. The seed itself goes all the way back to creation, right? Man did not invent the seeds, right. but you sow, you sow your crop, you have a crop, you take that in, that becomes the old crop, then you sow, and then the new harvest is new crop. It's still the same grain. It's of the same heritage stream, right? So your point that all Israel will be saved is, can be understood from a perspective of eschatological harvest. Right. right. And uh, anyway, there, but, you know, if so, someone really wants to always use renewed because they're afraid of the word new. I, but that's not know, what it co- says. Yeah. That the, the point is, is that that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures do not say renewed covenant. Yeah, it says I, exactly. new covenant. And so the notion that it's it's really referring to the renewed covenant. No, it's not. There, there, there's nowhere in the uh, there's nowhere in the scriptures where we see renewed covenant. It's new covenant. And so your aversion to the the term new covenant, that's a personal issue. That's not what the scriptures say, though. So and let's there keep is, going. But even the word renewed, well, we do see it in like uh, in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Sure. But it's, so it, it in the same way, it's, it's refreshing, making new. And so, yes, it's the same moon, but it's a new moment in time. So if you want to say, right. I, I don't know. It's, and a different it, month and a different season, right? Yeah. To it, me, it's it, a problem it, with the English language. It's not a problem with, with Hebrew. Right. Let's keep going to hear what he says. The spirit of the creator has been upon his people all throughout the Tanakh. I agree with that to a sense. The spirit of the creator has been upon a remnant Remnant, of Israel. Isaiah 1, right. He says Throughout, that if the Lord hadn't left us a seed, we'd be like Sodom and we'd be like Gomorrah, right? He, right. It, that's Isaiah chapter 1. So so the point here is simply that uh, I don't believe that the spirit of the creator was on the on all the people in the wilderness that, that wandered for 40 years. I, I just don't, I just don't right. believe that. Right, it was that. on Joshua and Caleb, certainly. Right. right. And it says they had a different spirit. They, right. they were not of... Uh, they weren't behaving with fear and and uh, fleshly concerns as their priority. They were focused on the Lord's promise. They, he said it, it'll happen. We don't need to fret about it. This is where the comment from Transformation 247 really takes a left turn here. He says, Jewish people don't want JC, that is Jesus Christ, because that is, not, it is the twisted religious version of Messiah. That is incorrect. 
that is completely wrong. He goes on, that is the name that has been behind the ex- ex- uh, excuses for anti-Semitism and the murder of their ancestors. Messiah Yeshua yeah, is not an yeah, icon so for wrong. any religion. This is ridiculous. There are ridiculous. plenty of Hebrew-speaking Jew- modern Jews in Israel who have come to faith in Yeshua, and the church it, didn't get in their way. But here's the thing. It, it has not the reason that Christ, that Jesus Christ, is rejected is not because he's be, is not because he was behind anti-Semitism in the church. Right, I know, it's be, I know. it's because he claimed to be God in the flesh. Exactly. He's, this is he the, claims this to be is, the Son of this Man. This sounds like this is the kind of this person whoever trans what is it? Transformation two four seven. Transformation two four seven. My my, like what book is on his shelf? I'm sus- probably. Mark Kinzer, maybe yeah. First Fruits of Zion, yeah. maybe if he doesn't, if he's even purchased a book, if oh, if he's just ooh, if he's looking YouTube, watch out! Yeah. Watch out, everybody! Yeah, that, Rob's Rob's carrying some fire today. No, I'm just Good saying gracious. if you if you've even invested in a library, it sounds like you've read Mark Kinzer or somebody who's highly influenced by Mark Kinzer, and, Rudolph, and Mark maybe. Kinzer's yeah. famous quote. And if anybody wants to know, it's Rabbi Mark Kinzer, not. Um, but his whole thing is the Jewish no to the gospel is their yes to God. That that by saying no to the gospel, they're actually saying yes to God. It's such a twisted thing. And it's like, no, the, the Jewish religious no to Jesus is their yes to the Talmud. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's their failure to judge according to righteousness. Well, to judge, let, okay, if, hang on, just when a sec. You judge we according to, to appearance, you're always going to get it wrong. Okay, hang on, just a sec though. The the Jewish no to Christ begins in the first century, right? And Paul writes about this constantly. Every time exactly. he goes, you have and, and it's you never have rejected. This. Paul's claim is never. You know, I just man, I just didn't do a good enough job presenting the gospel message. No, Paul if doesn't I would say only. It, Paul doesn't say, oh, I used the term Jesus Christ instead of Yeshua, the Messiah. Yeah, so that's yeah. why they rejected it. Hey, start using this other name. They're gonna be, it's gonna be fine. No, that's not it. Theologically, the Messiah comes and he says that he's gonna save his people from their sins. And they see this as a declaration of deity. And he says that he is the son of man coming on the clouds, and they see this as a declaration of deity. Okay, okay. so here, here, here's the picture, Caleb. So you have, let's say, a Christian, and he's got a necklace with a cross on it, and he's, he's going, he's talking to a Jewish person. And it's like, but then, but then you have a guy like Transformation 247 come in before he gets there. It's like, dude, take the, take the necklace off, because the cross... The cross is going to offend. And so he goes, okay, I'll take the cross off. So then he walks a little further. He says, oh, transformation 247. Before you talk to the Jewish guy, um, don't, don't, don't use the word Jesus. Oh, okay. So, okay. So he walks a little further, closer. He's going to go talk to the Jew. And then transformation 247. Wait, 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 wait. Don't say Christ. Don't say Christ. And then pretty soon the guy's going to get there. He's like, all that's going to be left is like, you better know Hebrew. You better know the Torah. And you got to, you have to, you have to realize that there's an oral Torah that came from Moses that they keep. And so now 
And not only that, and remember, you're even though you weren't there, you're responsible for the Holocaust and the Inquisitions. So now you need to grovel at his feet when you get there, you Christian missionary. When you get there, you need to get on your hands and kiss their feet and ask for forgiveness for for uh, the Inquisitions, for the uh, for any mistreatment for the Holocaust, because that's but at he, your feet. But and then, here's the and then thing. what's left? But here's and, the and, thing. And, and and guess what? Every year. Holocaust Memorial Day, the, we Christians, it's like a new day of atonement. We have to like, we have to ask for forgiveness again and again and again, and hope that the Jews forgive us for what sins you're talking, we never committed. What you're talking about has legitimately happened to me by very good believers who, who I not only respect, but I, I hold in very high regard. I was told, don't ever wear a, a cross because it, it's associated with the Crusades and with the rape and pillaging of the Jews. Well, I don't see it that way. I see the cross as a representation of the Messiah who has died. And I think that most of the world sees it that way too. When when people see a cross, they don't think, ah, the, the Inquisitions and the, ah, you know, the, the, the Crusades. No, what they see is, oh, Christianity. Now, granted... I will fully concede that the uh, notion of Christianity that most of the world has is, is probably not one that I want to represent. But the idea that we should take the cross off because it's going to offend people because they're going to instantly think, ah, the Crusades. No, no. People are offended by the Messiah because of who he is, not because of, you know, granted, uh, you know, there was a shirt I saw a long time ago. It said, Lord, keep, uh, uh, save me from your followers. Okay, granted, I admit that there has been horrible atrocities done in the name of Christianity throughout the ages, um, but that does not, that doesn't mean that we just disassociate from, from Christianity. I think it's, I think it's wrong. Okay, we're going to move on once again. Here we go. Well, here, one, one last note, note on that. We're, the world's way too sophisticated now. Because it's not just simple Jew and Christian, right? It's you've got how many denominations of Christianity, even in Israel. You've got you've got a huge Mormon educational institution on Mount Scopus, right next to Hebrew University. You've got you've got um, Armenians. You've got uh, uh, Arabic, you know, Palestinian Christians. You've got ca Catholics, different Protestant groups, all represented. And then on the Jewish side, you have so many different fragments, fragmentations of Judaism in Israel today and in the world. So if it's also unhelpful just to think of you have like a paradigmatic Jew and a paradigmatic Christian, right? Um, the reason I was saying like, oh, take off your cross, oh, don't say Jesus as just kind of a, as a parable to like exaggerate the point. Right, right, right. But if someone, it, it, you, you have to understand that there's not just a Jewish, if there's a Jewish person that says, oh, you represent all Christianity, they, that person is not a very deep thinker. They're really not interested. The people who are really listening, they're going to recognize all the problems of human fragmentation or denominationalism. They might not call it that in the Jewish world, denominations, but, but it's the same thing. It splits on ideological lines that are very deep and have historic uh, hostilities between Jewish groups, right? There's host hostilities between Jewish groups without even bringing Christianity into it. So, 
So any, I, I want a fair-minded human is going to understand all those. I used to things. think this too. Natty Bumbo in the chat room says, "Wearing a cross is weird. If Yeshua had been shot with an AK-47, he would. Uh, would you be wearing an AK necklace?" I used to think this. I disagree with this now. And the reason why is because, yes, the cross was the main form of execution in the first century, which is exactly why it's worn. Christ was crucified. Death attempted to overcome him, but he rose above that form of, of heinous execution. And it could not, even that form of heinous execution could not keep him down. It could not kill him. Through that, through that death, through that mechanism of death, he has risen above and has brought life to those who, who that and form and of it's death, our death, right? I mean, exactly. it's just, he said, take your cross daily and follow me. The idea We're is crucified that you're identified with him. with him, right? Paul says, I'm crucified to the world. Now it's possible that there's people who wear a cross. I know there's probably pagan people who wear a cross because they Absolutely. wear all sorts every of symbols rapper, or just every rapper. Rap, yeah. Right. So... <laughs> You know, it's the same thing. A symbol can be malleable to to fit any kind of narrative, and so um, I don't wear a cross, by the way. But I but I understand the. I don't either, but it. I yeah. understand the reasoning behind it, and I actually think that for those who have true faith, I think it's a beautiful representation of what Christ has done. He's overcome uh, death and made us alive. We have died with him, and therefore that symbol of death now represents life because he has overcome that death. That's to me. I I, I find it to be a beautiful thing. However, I agree that uh, the world has has uh, diminished it so much that you do have you know your favorite R and B singer is now wearing a cross and has nothing to do with with you know he's going to say thank you Jesus when he wins an award. But besides that, there's really no living out of a life towards Christ. Uh, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Courtney, she wrote this a while ago, but she says, how would you address a false prophet in person if they are giving you their quote unquote words from God? This, this is an interesting question. I think that a lot of people tend to, uh, especially those who are coming from a charismatic bent, I think a lot of them, uh, this is the way that they've been theologically raised. They have, this is how they, you know, play out their faith and work out their faith. And, and, uh, a lot of it has to do with, a lot of it has to do with terminology that people are used to. I have a word for, for you, or, you know, the Lord has, has told me that, or things like that. I don't know if these people are legitimately trying to prophesy or not. Um, where, you know, in, in some charismatic meetings and just meetings in general, you have people who stand up and they're going to give a word or they're going to prophesy, you know, I have a prophecy of the Lord, these kind of things. I think each situation has to be taken uh, for what it is. You know, if I have a little old lady walk up to me and say, you know, I have a word from the Lord that, you know, you're going to have a great week. I'm going to say, oh, thank you. And the yeah. reason why is because I don't think that she's trying to tell me that she's prophesying. However, Clearly, she's skirting the line. Whereas, if you have somebody who is standing up in front of a play, instead of a, in, in front of a congregation and prophesying, my initial response is probably going to set be, "Honey, kids, get your things. We're leaving." I'm not. I, I'm for as bold and as uh, upfront as I am uh, on the microphone. You know, with when I'm talking to Rob. I'm really not that uh, in your face in in person. 
I try to uh, allow people whatever they need. You know, it's what am I going to do? I'm going to stand up in the middle. Now, I do have stories of this exact kind of thing happening where my family has stood up in the middle of a, uh, a meeting or in the middle of a service and said, this is false teaching. We're leaving or don't listen to this person. That has happened. Now, I personally have not been the one yelling those things, but I've been there. The point here is simply this. I tend to take more of a, you know what, my my getting up and leaving is going to be statement enough. Um, but I, I'm usually not the person who says, you're falsely prophesying, I'm leaving. That's me personally. And I think that everybody has a different uh, response to that. Rob, what's your response to people who tell you that they got a word yeah, from the I th- Lord? I think I kind of, my experience is similar to yours, where I think there's an idiomatic thing that people pick up by the circles they're in. It's like, and what, and again, this is just me trying to give a generous interpretation of someone who's using it kind of maybe innocently is that what they mean is I have this, I have something that I feel like I'm supposed to tell you. And it doesn't, it's not like I was thinking about this and like that I worked this out on my own. They're, they're saying it, it's, you know, something that I'm just feeling like I need to share with you or something like that. Um, and maybe they just take that, Oh, whenever I feel that that must be from God or something. And they, they take it that way. And, um, but I agree that's that's in danger of lessening prophecy. Um, so, yeah, you know, and and we had all sorts of prof- prophecies, you know, like remember the blood moons and all the things people thought this was, they, yeah. you know, it's nonsense. So, Schumacher, and so the idea is like, well, how do we discern? Well, are we in the Word of God? You know, are we, are we? Do, do we know what it means to follow Yeshua daily? You know, what does it mean to to take up take up our cross and follow Him? And and then are we listening? You know, are we reading the Word? Are we reading the Bible aloud so we can hear? Um, and we have to. We just have to recognize that there's all sorts of cultural noise that is in the world. And and I like I like your approach that you you know most of the time people mean it maybe innocently. It reminds me, you know, people quoting the chosen to me. It's the same thing. Oh. It's at the same register, the same cultural register. If if there is such it's like, remember in the chosen, there's this scene where da 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 and da. And it means so much to them, right? And so it's like, okay, if I just pause, I'll say, okay, what are they saying? Okay. They're saying that they had an emotional connection to something that was on a TV show. And I I've just the other day I had to say, you know what? I don't watch Bible movies. I don't watch, you know, because they're way too, they're more than a paraphrase. They're giving, you know, they're providing too much information that is speculative and you need to go to the scriptures. And so, but I'm not mad. It's just like, it's, it's like, ah, yeah, but there's, there's a lot of work to do yet. You know, I, I don't know. So Schumacher in the uh, chat room says, I can attest to the meekness in person. It, it It's an admirable quality. I actually appreciate that coming from you, Andrew, because uh, Andrew and I have, I think, publicly disagreed pretty strongly with each other on theological issues. Uh, and uh, you can go watch our discussion on uh, pronomian.com. We, I, I had a, I don't know, what was it, about an hour long 
uh, conversation with Andrew about uh, the place of Torah and the life of a believer. And so we definitely disagree on these things. However, I, uh, I hold Andrew as a friend, if not a very good acquaintance. Um, and uh, I, I certainly hold him as a brother in the Lord. And so it, it means a lot that we can disagree with each other on these kind of issues, yet still be uh, friends and still be uh, still be cordial to each other, nonetheless. All right, I think that's going to do it for us today. We're going to be back next week. Next week we'll be back with both Mystery Bible Theater three thousand and our regular show. Our regular show will come first before you see another Mystery Bible Theater three thousand. Um, you can send all of your uh, whatever it is, show topics, questions concerns, disagreements, or your Mystery Bible Theater 3000 nominations to chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. If it is a Mystery Bible Theater 3000 nomination, then we uh, are looking for things under five minutes if possible. Now, somebody sent me something a little longer today. That's fine, but ultimately, we're looking for something under five minutes. And uh, the reason why is because really, we have to cut it down to about a minute or two. Otherwise, it just it, it's too much. And I think that we can actually see that with our last Friday's episode. The Sparkle Creed was just too much to even... Oh, my. It was just too much to even talk about uh, that we actually had to... Um, we, we had to basically not talk about it and just talk about what's happened to Christianity in in America. Uh, you can also give us a phone call, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That is an answering machine. You won't get us. You'll just be able to talk and tell us what you love, hate, disagree, agree. doesn't matter. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it really does help us. And yeah, I think that's going to do it. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why because Messiah matters.